welcome to the first episode of Incredible Youth. Now, when I say this incredible, I mean that by every uh, stretch of the word there, because our guest here, Kennedy Littledyke, is, as you will find, one of the most amazing uh, individuals that you'll ever meet. And we have found that in, in speaking with so many youth, there are so many things that we can learn. And so, Kennedy, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, being willing to be on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. You got it. You got it. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, the way that we were introduced to Kennedy was through a prior guest named Ryan Cranny. And he told me about a story about a girl that had a horrific accident. And in course of that, uh, there were a lot of life altering events and it turned out that this was Kennedy. And once you read what happened there, it's, it's crazy. So I'm, before we get into everything else, Kennedy, uh, what, what exactly went on and what, why are we speaking today and what am I referring to there? Um, I mean, quite a lot went on, but it was a car accident. And so to start off, it was a Saturday. It was May 22nd of 2021. Um, and I had worked that day. I'd worked all, all day and I got off at five and my friends wanted to hang out later that night. And I was having a harder day because I hate this part of the story. It's embarrassing, but... <laughs> Two days prior, my boyfriend at the time had broken up with me. We'd broken up. And I was 16. I was emotional. I was sad. And so they tried to cheer me up. So we went into town, like, just had some fun. And then my favorite things are sunsets. And like you said earlier, um, we have a mountain for Declo with a big D on it. And you can go to the base of it. And um, you can watch the best sunsets because you can see over the whole town. And so we were up there just hanging out and I was kind of telling them how I felt and like, how I was kind of sad and they were trying to do their best to like help me get through it, I guess. And then Jacob's mom, uh, so I had two friends in the car with me actually. And one of them, his mom called and was like, Hey, you need to be home by nine. And we were like, Oh, dang it. So we, <laughs> um, we're like trying to find a plan to like hang out longer. And so we called her back and we're like, Hey, can we actually make crepes at, your um your house and she was like yeah for sure and so um we started to leave the base of the mountain to drive to my house to go get his car to go into town get the ingredients and then go back to his house and um so for perspective I guess my house to the base of the mountain is four miles and it's just a straight shot like no turns nothing and I didn't start off crying. Everyone's like, you need to pull over when you cry. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. And like, I didn't start crying. Like when I was driving, that's not what happened. But it was like very cl close after. It was right before we started um, going. I was fine. I'm repeating myself. I have to cut this out. Can you do no, that? You're fine. You're fine. You're okay. <laughs> um so we started going and I can't remember what, but like a mile before my house, I bursted out into tears um, and I lost control of the vehicle and I went to the left and um, I could feel my wheel slip off like the road. And then I overcorrected because I was trying to get back on the road and I went way too far. And 
Um, the roads at the time were kind of dirty because uh, we live out in the country and the farmers are growing in and out of the field. So it was covered in dirt. So, it's, so it was sometimes hard to like see like what was the road and what was the um, off, off the side of the road. Right. And so I ended up going off the road and uh, my driver's seat, like that side of the car, the left side of the car, hit the right chunk of the power pole and it took a chunk of the power pole and flipped us sideways. And we flipped and rolled for quite a while. And my biggest question is how fast were we going? You had been going like 100 miles an hour. I was not, Life360 actually tracked us going 58, 59 miles an hour. So I was going three miles an hour over the speed limit. So most people go five. So I don't know. And we were not wearing our seatbelts. And I was the first one out. And most of the time when you hear like a roll roll out car accident, when people know seatbelts on, they are on the floor, like get smushed by the car, just like yeah. broken bones on the floor. And that's, that was the case for my two friends as they were, their bones were kind of broken and they were laying on the floor. But in my case, I was actually hanging in the power line right above me, um, 20 feet in the air, roughly by my broken femur. Oh my goodness. So it, when it rolled, you actually were propelled out of the car. Yeah. 20 feet onto the power line. Mm -hmm. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know how that works or like how high I did go. Cause if I did go significantly higher than the power power line and then with all that force hit the ground, like I sh probably shouldn't be alive then either. But then you think about this and it's like, there's no way I should be alive now yeah. even wow. being hanging on it. And so you, you, you were actually on the power line then mm -hmm. you didn't fall right back down. You were stuck on the power line, right? Yeah. By your leg. Yeah. Oh my do, goodness. Do you remember that? Were you pretty conscious at that point or were you in shock? Does it kind of like a blur or what was your recollection? Um, so I don't remember getting launched out of the vehicle. Uh, I don't remember any of that, but then I remember my waking up on it like seconds later after I'd been up there. And I just remember it was like really dark. Like mm. at that time it wasn't completely dark outside yet because we just finished watching the sunset, but to me, it was very dark. I was very high in the air and I was upside down. And I remembered like I was in, I was very uncomfortable. Like it wasn't necessarily pain, but I was very uncomfortable. And I kind of was like, what is going on? And then, oh. and then my next memory was, uh, this one's kind of weird. I'm, I'm religious. And so I got a memory. It was a dream, I guess. Obviously it wasn't real, but cause I didn't have my phone but I got a FaceTime call from God and I actually have the picture. It's my favorite picture. I know this won't be in the podcast, but it's this one of um, Christ yeah. reaching, reaching through the water. And that's what um, the picture was on the phone when he called me. And I remember I like was looking at it ring and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's my time to go home. And at that point I was like, Oh wow. So tired. And like, I don't know. I didn't want to, I think actually this was towards the end of everything. Right. Like being, cause I was up there for an hour. So I can't remember. Oh, I can't wow. remember. Yeah. It was a while. It was like 45 minutes to an hour. So I can't remember when this dream was. This is probably my biggest memory is I was just fighting for so long. I didn't want to do it anymore. And Christ was calling me home. And so I knew it was my time. And so I tried to hit the accept button and it wouldn't click. And I started pounding it and like a phone only rings for so long. And so I'm stressed and I'm like, 
no, 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 it's going to stop ringing and I want to go like, this is my time. And then the phone just goes black and I can just see my reflection in the phone and I'm just covered in blood. Um, I look so beat up. I look just in bad shape. And I just remember looking at myself and I just bawled because I just knew that like I couldn't go home and it wasn't my time. And I was there, there was something I had to do and that I, God wasn't finished with me yet. And I remember when I started crying, I think I cried for like just a few seconds. Then I like clicked back in reality. I was like, Ken, you can't cry because I've always been not a big crier. I feel like crying is weak for me. Not when other people do it, just for me. It's like, you're weak. <laughs> I hear you. So, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And so I hate it. And I just stopped crying. And at that point, I just was like asking, um, I just wanted help. And as some people started finally coming on the scene and I would just look down at them and be like, are you going to help me? Like, I need some help. And like, they would just, I was just talking to them like it was a regular day. Like they were asking questions and I was just like normal. And wow. I think it's obviously all the adrenaline. I definitely would have lost it if I realized what was actually going on, but it's kind of crazy. Wow. An hour. I, I'm, I'm still <laughs> trying to, I was trying to process that an hour upside down on a power line and your mm. friends did, were your friends able to see you or are they were the ones that called the emergency um, response or. So I, I was faced towards the road and they were in the field behind me. So I couldn't see them, but they could see me and my one friend in the passenger seat, she was, uh, I think she was unconscious for a little bit and then she woke up and she was like screaming and that memory actually like breaks my heart because I, I know I like did that pain and there's nothing I can do. Like I'm, I can't even see her either. So all I can do is hear like her screaming. And then my friend, my other friend that was out last, he was also in the field. Neither of them can move because um, my one friend, the passenger seat, she had a broken neck back and pelvis. And then my other friend, um, he had a broken neck and pelvis and so they both couldn't move and so they just had to kind of watch me and I don't think Nakaya actually my one friend I don't think she actually was looking at me I don't really know but Jacob he's um we did a TikTok about it together on like his perspective and he just remembers watch like watching me up there and be like oh my gosh all the blood's gonna go to her head and like he was worried about me the whole time but neither of them could get to their phones and so luckily people were out there within five minutes, I think five, oh, 10 minutes. Man. Wow. I was going to say, that's what's amazing is, so I, I, I've worked, I'm a nurse and I worked in trauma centers and things like that. And it, it's so different than what, what you see in the movies. And I, first of all, I want to thank you for sharing this because I know it can't be easy, but in the movies, it's like there's an accident and then poof, they're in the ambulance. And then two seconds later, yeah. they're rolling yeah. into the hospital. And it's not like that at all. That's not the way it works. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, my two friends, I'm so grateful that they were able to be taken care of right away. As Well, not, I guess, right away, but like sooner than I was, because obviously they were on the ground. They could get as soon as the ambulances got there, they were taken care of. But um, it was it was actually really cute. My one friend, um, we're still really close, Jacob he remembers in the ambulance and he was like, no, get out of here. Go help my friend on the, like, go get her. But he's the one that was like, also like in critical condition. And it was just all the love that us three had for each other was so great and powerful. And yeah. yeah. 
Well, how did they get you down? Well, one of the big things with uh, with first responders is that they have to make sure that they don't create the that create an additional patient in themselves. Yes. By yeah. Getting, by getting hurt. So that had to have been a little, a Especially little interesting. On electrical lines. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can hear in the guy that called 911, he's like in a panic. Obviously, I don't know what I would do in that situation. It's like, and he's like, there's a girl hanging in the power line. We need a bucket truck. We need the we need the electricity turned off. So um, I don't think the um, 911 operator quite understood it. Like, I don't think I would. Like, that's unbelievable, like, to hear that a girl's hanging in the power line. Like, even when my high school friends heard, they were like, oh, we just thought, like, the power line was, like, on you on the ground, something like that. Like, we didn't believe it. And so, like, that's hard to believe. And so I don't know if what necessarily happened, but I heard they brought the wrong truck for me. And so I think that's why it took so much longer, but I still don't know. And then I think it might have taken even longer to get the power turned off and get a hold of the power company. But I actually have a video of it and um, of them getting me off. Someone videoed it. It's pretty hard to watch, but it looks like a ladder truck, some sort of thing. And there's one guy kind of just on it. And then there's one guy putting the tourniquet on and um, he just put the tourniquet on me and grabbed my leg because my leg was completely severed. It was barely holding on by like, just maybe two inches of skin maybe not even that like very thin and that was holding up all my body weight and um he just grabbed my leg and took it off the wire and in the video it's so like it makes me want to throw up because (laughs) you can see like the rest of my leg just flop because obviously I had no blood for an hour and my arm not only was my arm not only was my leg injured my arm was ripped off completely other than holding on by the skin on my back So you can watch my arm also flop and you can just see how bad of shape I'm in. I didn't know about your arm. That's... Oh yeah, the arms were like insane on it. They're pretty cool. Oh my goodness. Gary, and you're, I mean, being in that critical care, you're hearing this story. I mean, what are the, th- you're, I mean, you have your game face on. I mean, <laughs> That's how we roll. Really? But, <laughs> no, I, I tell you, there's so many things about this that, that to me, it just blows my mind. And But that mm-hmm. is one of the things about trauma is, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. But I will say just from what you're telling me, I mean, you guys broke the hardest bones in your body to break, which I'm sure people have told you. I mean, so just the, the sheer forces involved mm-hmm. that you guys experience is just incredible. But the one other thing that, that stands out to me is that when you have a, a leg amputation like that, the potential for, for the loss of blood is super high. You know what I mean? And ironically, it was probably because you were upside down. Upside that, down. That probably helped save your life. Yeah. And this is kind of also crazy. And people don't believe me when I say it. So take it how you want. But the doctors, um, they I actually have pictures of my arm too. And they hadn't finished like uh, closing it all because I had a huge hole. And you can see all the burn marks. I had like, I got fried. Uh, but oh. they say that I kind of came out of the vehicle, like standing, not standing, but like flying through the air, facing up. And then the top of my body hit the power line and it charcoaled me and it flipped me on it. But that's why my arm did it. Cause my main artery was ripped in half. And so wow. they get oh like- Oh my gosh. Yeah. They so you're basically cauterized. cauterized. You're yeah, basically- cauterized it. And then my leg, I didn't bleed out on my leg because my main artery on my leg, the power line had pinched it off. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was just I was just running through my mind. I was like, I don't know how that was even possible, especially for that kind of time frame. Yeah. You know? I mean, there was still a lot of blood. Like I remember I was drowning because I was upside down and sure. it was just running. And I just remember I was just drowning in it. And I was like trying to wipe it away, but it was like tons of blood. And I don't know how I just dealt with it for that long. That, I, I'm I'm absolutely blown away. I mean, if, if this wasn't, you're talking about that FaceTime with God type of thing. You, you're trying to tell me that that wasn't a coincidence. That, that was, I've never heard of something like that. I mean, yeah. just the chance that you have that cauterized and in a perfect position with your leg that didn't bleed out. That, yeah. I mean, okay, I'm going back to Gary again. Holy moly, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the absolute best of a worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. the way everything planned out was like so perfectly imperfect. Like yeah. obviously it wasn't great that it happened, but it was like it happened so perfectly. And like even the surgeons um, and doctors that were not religious at all, they were like, this is like a higher power was involved. I am not religious, but they're like, there was. And like I 100% agree, like there's no way I would have done, no way on my own. I would have not survived that. Well, and, and and I'll say too is that was a that's a incredibly complex, you know, getting you off the line is yeah. because, like they said, some of the worst things that can happen is so like say for example like with a, a knife stab or something like that, mm-hmm. one of the worst things you can do is actually remove it because then people mm-hmm. will bleed out and so yeah. getting you off that power line, all those things that are keeping you from from you know losing more blood, now they got to take those off. You know what yeah. I mean? And so. <laughs> You got the right people there too to help you out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the tourniquet part because he had to put it on and he started coming at me with that thing. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, like, just leave me here. Like, I don't want, that's going to hurt getting me off. Like, I knew pain was coming with that. And I remember um, him putting it on. And I just remember looking at him like, at the same time, I was like, and you can, yeah, I don't know. And he puts it on. And that's the only time I screamed is I, they said it was bad. Like I screamed pretty bad because obviously all my flesh that's been stuck in that because power lines aren't like, like super soft cords. Like they're like, no, no. <laughs> oh. and so they have to take my skin all back out of it. And, ugh, and oh, my yeah. goodness. You know, well, you know, it's pretty good working when people, when, <laughs> when people scream, you know, it's doing its job. Yeah. yeah. What well, blows yeah. my mind though. This wasn't that long ago. And here you mm-hmm. are talking with us, just like who you are. I mean, you could you just mm-hmm. tell this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, I mean, after everything that was going on there, what was, what was it like hospital? And then afterward, when, when you got the news about your leg and, and all those other things, because what I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing an incredibly strong individual Heck, you're not even your twenties yet, and you're just you're pounding it in a way that I haven't seen a lot of adults be able to cope with. And so I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind taking us through some of those things. And please, if there's anything too personal, just negate that question. But I, I'm just blown away by the individual that I'm seeing in front of me. Yeah, so this is kind of an odd part, but before my accident, I struggled really bad with depression. Um, I actually didn't think I was going to live much longer because I wanted to take my life. And I, it's hard for me to say, because I know it's like kind of a hard thing to talk about. 
And so I always say my accident saved my life because if it wasn't for this, I would definitely don't think I would be here. And so I woke up in the hospital and the hospital stay was hard. Like we tried our best to like push through. And I think like my community made it so much better. Like they helped me. They were sending cards. They were doing everything possible. And I was in a coma for I only think like two or three days, but um, they were trying to convince my dad. I'm pretty sure that I was brain dead. And um, like oh they didn't goodness. think they didn't think that like I was going to be okay in the head. And they were, he might, I was like, Oh, like, no, she will be, I can promise you that. And um, so then, but then they would like talk about things in the room, like medical things in the room. And my dad watched me and he said there would just be tear, like a tears roll out of your eyes. And so he finally got very upset and was like, no conversations in the room. And he put something on the door. And from then on, he was like, you're in there. And um, so he taught me how to like squeeze my hand for yes or no. And I could barely, like even my good side could barely move because you're in so much, like your body just endured so much trauma. And then I got to the point where um, I learned how to squeeze three times for I love you. And that was our social communication and that was it. And then when I can get a little better when I, cause this is the time when I was still intubated or however you say it mm -hmm. um so I couldn't speak and uh we learned how to write in the palm I learned how to write in the palms of their hands and like it was a pretty cool experience and then I got my tube out and I don't know it was hard like I remember everything was so hard like just mm -hmm. laying there in pain was hard and I knew something was severely wrong with me um but I didn't know what it was and my dad didn't tell me for a while and then one day I had a cert, I knew it was like one of my last surgeries and all my family was there and they were like, I could just feel like everyone was very stressed out and they didn't tell me what it was. They were just like, this is a really big surgery, Kennedy. And I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, I remember coming out of the surgery and my whole family, like the room was very, very heavy, like very dark, very sad. And I was like, what is going on? And my dad came up to my bed and I was like, dad, what's wrong? And he was like, he was like, nothing, everything's going to be okay. And I said, I know everything's going to be okay. And he like burst out in tears. And I don't see my dad cry very often, like never. Yeah. And um, so I, at that time I was like, oh no, like <laughs> this is bad. And, um, but I still had a lot of hope. Like I didn't think at that point I was going to die. I knew I was good. Um, but like, I just knew something was severely wrong. And so then I think later that day, my dad came to the side of my bed and goes, Kennedy, I have to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay. And he said, they had to amputate your leg. And like, at the time I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. a 16 year old girl. And it was, that's something that you don't expect to hear. And that's something that's hard to hear. Cause I was also a very big soccer player and mm -hmm. I wanted to play college. Like I wanted to go places with it. And it's like, obviously I know that's right down the drain. But my first thing I said was, well, did my two friends, did they have to lose any limbs? And he said, no. And I said, well, I'm glad I'm the one that had to lose it, wow. um, had to lose my limb. And I kind of like turned away and I just sat there and tried to like cope with it. And I did. And I was fine with it, actually. And then I think the next day, physical therapy came in and they're like, OK, we're going to do 10 squats today. And I was like laying there. I was like. <laughs> I can barely move and you're really going to make me get up. And um, 
but I got up and my dad was like, oh, she can't do that. She can't do that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can. I can. And at this point I hadn't seen my leg. Like I just found out my leg is gone. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I get up, do 10 squats and I'm like, they put me in a 90 degree angle sitting up and I say, can I like, is my leg covered? And they're like, yeah, it's covered. And so I still don't look down at it. I do my 10 squats and I'm like, the physical therapists were so fun. And so like, I was having fun with it and I sit down and I looked down and my gown was all the way up and I saw my leg and I looked down at it. My eyes got like huge. And I was like, my leg like is gone. I said, dad, you didn't tell me it was a short, like I expected, I don't know what I expected, but I did not expect it to be that short. Cause I'm really short. I don't have much. And I like broke down bad and they were like, maybe it'll be better if you touch it. I looked at him. I was like, I'm not touching it. I was like mad. And then like 10 minutes goes by and I was like, hmm, okay, I'll touch it. I touched it. And I like, was like, this is so weird. And I tried to cope with it. And then they laid me back down and they wanted me to move it around a little bit. So I didn't get like stuck or like, so I still have mobility in it. And, I don't know. I, I like to think I'm funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I do. And so my trauma name in the hospital was trauma Gobi. And <laughs> I love to name everything. I don't know what my deal with it is, but I named my little leg Gobi. And um, my dad was like, do a little dance. And I was like, okay. So then I made like the go Gobi, go Gobi. And like, <laughs> it helped me cope with it. And all the like nurses and everyone was like so amazed because they were like, this does not happen. Like most people will like be sad about it for a while, but it was insane how like fast I went through the motions. Like I was sad. I never, I've never been angry about any of it though. Like I've never been angry at God. I've never been angry about what happened. Like I just know like it was supposed to happen. But like the fact that I could go from being so sad about it to like making it a joke is insane. Yes, it is. It so is. I have to I have to ask something real quick. Mm-hmm. So you said before that you were struggling with kind of it sounds like pretty severe depression. Mm-hmm. And then you have something like that happen, and everything in my mind says that that should have been made it Push even over. worse. Yep. Yeah, yeah but you, you completely flip flopped. <laughs> why what do you think happened or or what kind of lead us through your thought process or what you think happened um so that's kind of my biggest question is why like why didn't I get worse or why did I but I think I woke up and was like well this is what I have to do and like I knew it was going to be hard but I don't know um I think my biggest message and the biggest thing I've learned is like you're going to go through hard things, your challenges, you can't change what the challenge is, but you can change your mentality on it. Like, so you to pick your heart, it's going to be hard to be sad and depressed. Like that was hard. And, but then this is also going to be hard to like push through it, but you'll be happy. You're like, I don't know, you get to choose your heart. And so I guess I, at that time I decided that my heart I was going to choose was to be happy and make the best out of the situation. I love that quote. You can yeah. choose your hard. <laughs> you choose, I'm glad you clarified that because I thought it said choose your heart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, choose your heart. That's fantastic. Well, well, with that being said, though, once you were an active individual too, uh, with, you know, with soccer and everything else, 
what was the the process of recovery like and how did you start to adapt I mean, and sorry for such dorky technical questions i'm i'm just my mind's going to <laughs> yeah um i was i worked really hard um like in the hospital i was supposed to be in the hospital till september and november that area um i was out mid july because I was like, I'm out before my birthday. I'm not spending my birthday in here. <laughs> and I worked hard. And um, I got home physical therapy. I worked hard. I got my pre- pres- prosthetic. And I, because in a wheelchair, your senior year, that's horrible. And like, yeah. ob- like obviously my um, classmates were so good about it. But like, it doesn't do very good for your confidence. And so I worked my butt off to get in a prosthetic. And um I was off of like a assistant device, like a crutch within two weeks of having it. Like I was going with it. And then um, I still had a broken arm because um, my arm, I guess I haven't really gone over my injuries, but so I have like an amputation obviously. And then my arm, uh, you have five main nerves that run your arm and three of mine were ripped out from my spine, like right out of the root and then two were stretched. And so my arm, was basically paralyzed when um, everything happened, but they did a nerve transfer. So my arm's doing a lot better. And I still had a broken arm, a broken collarbone, and I wanted to get back in sports real quick. And at first, um, my mom was telling me about how these adaptive um, camps Mm -hmm. were going on, how they teach you how to do different sports. And I was like, I'm not like them. Or like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm normal. And like, I was like, so against it and then I went to one and it was like the coolest experience ever because you get to meet more people and like their story and so I think December or January I still had my broken arm because my accident was in May so my arm took forever to heal and I went snowboarding and skiing um not even a year later wait wait you went snowboarding yes I did Okay, yep. I can see skiing because you have the mini ski, right? But mm-hmm. how in the world did you snowboard? I did it with my prosthetic, but at that time I didn't have like a good a good knee. I guess it was just a basic hinge knee, so my yeah. knee would just give out and I eat it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. But yeah, I was very bound determined to get back into sports, and so I've done quite a, a lot of different sports that I have absolutely loved and will continue to do unreal i i've so i'm probably gonna go take my kids skiing tonight you have and then they're just learning i am probably going to show them this video before we even go (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's cool and i've had a lot of fun like i've also done sled ice hockey and i struggled with that one because i don't have my other arm to like use the little stakes to go so someone had to push me then I've done rock climbing, which is insanely hard with one arm and one leg. I can't, I have it all on my Instagram of things that I've done. And I just, I've enjoyed it all so much because I like the challenge. I like how hard it is. Wow. And what do you tell people? I mean, they obviously, when they see, first see, especially if they've never met you, your friends are going, oh man, that Kennedy, man, she could do anything she puts her mind to. <laughs> But when you you meet new people that have never met you before, and here you are just slaying it on on the rock wall or in the ski, what what's that like? Um, I don't know. They are just kind of like I remember the rock wall because I'm very like 
determined, obviously. I don't quit. It takes a lot for me to quit. I think that's why I'm still alive. But like the rock wall, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I <laughs> I attempted it once and I couldn't do it. And I was like, and then I got like halfway up the wall and I'm like, see that bell. And I still got a ways to go. And I said, I'm ringing that damn bell. And, I, and then I said that and I regretted it because I was like, now I have to do it because I just told everyone I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so um, I'm like going in the whole room is just underneath me and I'm like blacking out because this is so hard to do. And I can't, I'm like grasping to get the last like jump and I finally get the last bill and like the joy and everything was like insane and everyone was like cheering for me. And it's just kind of cool to see like people's reactions. I think that's my favorite thing. Like, obviously telling my story too like people's reactions are insane and it's like like yeah this happened and okay and then for them to be like what <laughs> so funny to me so that's january <laughs> it's january 2023 mm -hmm. how long how many months ago how, how long ago was your your accident um it was may of 2021 so it's been a, a little over a year and a half Okay, I want everyone just to, you know, so when people see this three years from now, then yeah. they go, oh, yeah, she's had a lot of time to figure this out. And, mm -hmm. you know, no, that is, that's mind-blowing. It, it's it's more than mind-blowing, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than mind-blowing. Yeah. So last season, last ski season last year, it was not even a year out. It was literally like six, eight, six months out, something like that. And I was going skiing. Uh, I guess I was snowboarding, and then this season I tried skiing a little more, and I'm getting there. Oh but, my god! Yeah. So for someone that is just <laughs> as as Marie said, just slaying it. If someone was going through a, a a trauma of any kind, what would you tell them? Like, what worked uh, for you? What didn't? Like, like what what's your secret sauce for being where you are today? Uh, <laughs> get up like don't sit there and wallow in your feelings like some days it's okay you're gonna have hard days but you can't just sit and like oh my life's so hard this is so hard like there's some days where I'm like I literally just want to sit in bed because like walking is hard like it take it takes like 60% more energy than it does for a regular person to walk like it's just hard but like you just have to do it because if you don't do it that's when a problem happens when people will stop using the prosthetics because it's hard and then you just get lazy like the biggest thing for me is to stay active so my goal was I have to go to the gym every day because I have to stay strong in it um to like be able to do the things I want to do like and make it easier and so I don't know just get up and do it and try to have the best attitude you possibly can because it's not it's not gonna get easier you're just gonna get stronger yeah i you, you were talking about and i, I don't like to go back there's so much back and forth mm -hmm. on this but you're talking about depression uh before and <coughs> how this this helped overcome it i mean what a what a crazy way to get over that mm -hmm. and inevitably and, and the only reason i bring this up is because so many times in this podcast with adults and any everywhere every age they've brought up depression. They've brought up mm -hmm. how they deal with that. And when you run into someone that was in your, your circumstance prior to the accident, how do you help them through that? I mean, you have this determination that is so inspiring. I just want to get up and go do everything right now. <laughs> right. But uh, when you meet someone that, that, that is in that, that uh, they're having that hard time with, with depression, how do you, 
how do you help them, especially given your experience? And I, I that was a redundant question. I apologize. No, um, I don't know. I, I, I would probably say to seek help. That was my biggest thing is I mm-hmm. didn't. I did it all on my own. Like, I think my family knew the surface level of it, that I wasn't doing well and that I was struggling. But like, it, I didn't ever, I wouldn't go to therapy. I tried it. I hated it. But I'm also the type of person that wants to deal with it on my own. Like, I never was on a medication. And probably your biggest thing is seek help. Find someone that can help you through it. Find someone that will inspire you to um, get through it and help you find an outlet. Uh, I don't know. That's something probably my biggest regret is I did it. And I think my social media has probably helped me the most is because I've used it as an outlet. And um, my Instagram, my sister started it from like day one. And I took it on when I was in rehab and I would use it as a journal. Like I would kind of talk about how if I was struggling, like what I was struggling with my feelings, what I was doing. And then I took it to TikTok and I made humor out of it and that helped a ton. But then um, I had a video that got like 50 million views, like went off like crazy. And I got um, some following from it. And then that's when like I started getting like backlash from it and people were like, this is your whole personality though. And I'm like, but like, yeah, it's my outlet. Like that's how I cope with it. And yeah. so I kind of stopped doing TikTok for a little bit. Cause I was like, man, this sucks. Like people are just being, you're putting it out there. Like, they're just being help. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I kind of was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. And so then I did, I don't know. You just got to find your outlet on what works for you. I, I love what you just said there because so many times, um, and this is anywhere from kids to adults, they're seeking validation of, of other people, of other things. And, and especially when you get in the social media aspect and here you are with the best of intents, helping yourself through this and, and others mm-hmm. in the process. And of course, you're mm-hmm. always going to have those critics and, yeah. and the critic, heck we've had critics too, man. <laughs> but yeah. to your point, you just keep on doing what you're doing. It's something that you're doing for well, for yourself and, yeah. and in the process, you're helping people. So keep mm-hmm. that up. You just, you're, you're so far in, you're so far advanced <laughs> in, in your, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Maturity. Oh. That, um, I, I can't even tell you how many people would be impacted by those not being invalidated by people and you're mm-hmm. just going for it. I love that. And, and I yeah. thank you for it. And the fact that you're saying that overcome the stigmas of, uh, of seeking help. I, how many times have we heard that in the last little bit there, Gear? Oh yeah. Big time, <laughs> big time. Yeah. And like, and I, it's made me feel very good because I feel like I've been people's outlets because they'll reach out to me and they'll be like, you have helped me through so much that you don't even realize, or they'll just contact me and tell them through, like their hard times. And I try my best to um, respond to my DMs. Sometimes it gets a little hard, but like if I see one that I'm like, wow, I need to respond. I need to help this girl out or I need to help. I I will, because it just makes me feel good as a person that I can help someone and be that outlet for someone. Like it just makes me feel very good. So that's also helped my mental health probably a lot is that I can help others. Well, it seems to me like you've kind of learned the the lesson. I think we all hopefully learn this at some point is, you know, your intent, 
and you know that your mm -hmm. intent is good. And so to me, that almost makes it easier when there's distractors or people that try and pull you down is, yeah. is you know, your intent, you know, that it's a good thing. You know, yeah. and, then, and then that also helps you to reach those people that, that you are, I guarantee a, a such a big positive influence on their life. Mm -hmm. you, I, yeah. I know you're helping them out a ton. It sounds like you hear that too, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes me, it helps me out a lot. Like when I'm struggling, sometimes my favorite thing to, things to do is go through my DMS and like, be like, wow, like this person, like helped me out so much. Or like, I don't know. I just try to make it a positive. Like impact. a win-win, win-win scenario. It's yeah. above win-win. It's a slay slay, man. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're slaying those demons. You're slaying those ghosts or everything else. It's amazing. Um, I, uh, man, there's so many people that you can continue to help. And I hope you mm -hmm. never lose that, that enthusiasm for it because looking at what you've been able to do, good grief in, in a, less than a year and a half year already skiing, snowboarding, climbing, all that other good stuff. And then you have that social following you're, you're doing it. I mean, you're mm -hmm. absolutely doing it. And mm -hmm. you, you've inspired me in a way that um, made me, uh, the, the, the audience is probably going to go quit saying, wow, because you've made me say, wow, about hundred <laughs> podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. so, so what, what's next for Kennedy? What are you working yes. on? Where are you headed? What are you doing? Um, right now I'm in Utah going to just a smaller like tech school and I'm getting a business technology certificate thing. And then I know I'm transferring up to Boise and I'm going to, they're building like a huge um, challenged athletes foundation, like center for athletes. And I would love, I think I would love to go to the Paralympics either in running or skiing. And if that doesn't work, that's totally fine. Um, I've thought about continuing education in communications because I'm I've got better at speaking but I use a lot of filler words or like can't get my words out and I would love to um do some public speaking even though it stresses me out like <laughs> insane amounts but I've had um just recently actually it's kind of weird that like I've had like three different people that I've reached out and like will you come speak like in Canada New Jersey the trauma surgeons like crazy pe like experiences and I'm like this would be so cool and so I've thought about going into that. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of different pathways and then I'd love to continue to do social media. So I guess we'll see what happens. Well, one Kennedy, thing that you've got to do is utilize us too. We yeah. have, we're, we can connect you to a number of different people that'd be, I'm sure more than willing to help uh, mm -hmm. given everything that you've been able to do and inspire so far. That'd be amazing. And yeah. when it comes to public speaking, someone very wise once told me, choose your heart. Mm. And so- <laughs> you need to go after it. Yeah, I wonder who threw that at you, Gary. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that statement. I just think that. Well, is you so you 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 just named the title of your of your podcast right there. <laughs> Perfect. I think it's actually probably one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Anyway, like probably because like I've done a few other ones, and every time they're like, "What's your biggest lesson you've learned?" And I've always been like. I don't, I don't know. Like, and <laughs> I remember my dad was always like, you need to find your message. You need to find your message. And I was always like, so annoyed. I was like, I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know, dad. And then one day I'm just at school and I was just working and doing my thing. And then 
that message came to me. I was like, this is what it is. I've been waiting for this for so long. And I called him and I was like, dad, I figured it out. This is what it is. And he was like, I love it. And so like the fact that I can finally do a podcast and like know what it is makes me like have a lot more peace about it. Not like every time. Oh, oh, (laughs) You're so refreshing. It it really is something that not only kids, but adults need to hear. Um, It's easy to, to stick on something and just wallow in it. As you, you, you said before, and mm-hmm. just get up and do something about it. Such a simple message, but so incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to thank you for, for sharing that and, and being vulnerable. I mean, good grief. There's a lot of stuff that just came out on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you presented it in such a way that it was so approachable. And mm-hmm. uh, it's something that uh, the audience would, I, I have a feeling we'll be reaching out to, to see how how can we get Kennedy here? So thank you for spending that thank time you. with us. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it.